Welcome to Bourbon and Birds by Kentucky Fried Politics. It's Nick Storm. On Bourbon and Birds, we pour a bourbon and discuss politics in Kentucky with lawmakers, lobbyists, consultants, and everyone in between, all in an effort to get down in the weeds and figure out the issues. This week's guest is House Licensing and Occupations Chairman Adam Koenig, who sat down with me in Frankfurt at the Kentucky Distillers Association. A huge shout out to Eric Gregory at the KDA for allowing us to use the space there. It's a beautiful location where the Bourbon Ball was first created. Fitting place for this interview is Koenig has authored multiple spirits-related laws in recent sessions. Chairman Koenig, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, we're here in Frankfurt at the Kentucky Distillers Association at their new headquarters, and they've been kind enough to allow us here and mm-hmm. uh, having a having a bourbon, a bourbon that you helped pick out. Yes, uh, yes, at a barrel pick at, at Maker's Mark. Yeah, so it's a it's a good day to be in Frankfurt. Anytime that you can stay a little bit uh, from the capital and have a have a bourbon, I think it's going to be a, a positive experience. Hopefully, absolutely. There are, there's a fair amount of bourbon in in town to be found, and because um, <laughs> we would never drink it at at the capital. Oh no, no, no. It'd be a major faux pas. To, absolutely, to have a drink there. would not do that. <laughs> well, how have you been? It's been you know a few years since you and I have have talked and caught up and. Uh, Feels like a lot has happened since then, but uh, but yeah. how are how are things going? Things things are great. Um, I'm I'm very fortunate to, um, you know, have this position. Uh, it's it's really all, all I've ever wanted to do is to be in politics, and be able to make pro- policy and help people. And um, I, I'm I feel like I've kind of was working all this time in my prior lives as a city councilman and a fiscal court member, and then 10 years in the minority to learn um, things and, and know how the process works so that, uh, you know, when we took over in January, 2017, uh, the Republicans uh, in the house that, uh, and I was chosen to be chairman of licensing occupations that uh, was in a position to, Mm -hmm. to get things running. And, um, I just love the fact that uh, we've been able to make a lot of positive changes in general. <clears throat> and, um, you know, me in particular, I've been fortunate with uh, a lot of bills, um, not just in alcohol, although I'm sure that's what we'll talk about <laughs> a lot today. Um, but See, it's uh, a passion of mine, alcohol. Is it? Well, good. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, look, it creates a ton of not only jobs in Kentucky, but good paying jobs in Kentucky. Absolutely. We're, um, we're blessed to have a signature industry and to, to see the change in the industry, move from a sin industry to a signature industry and, mm-hmm. to, you know, wrap our arms around it and, and, and draw it in close. And I want to talk bourbon with you, but before we do, and, and specific to bills, uh, before we do that, I think your background, as you indicated, is interesting as a poli sci mm-hmm. uh, major. In, in college to, to hear you are using that. Uh, you ever think about going back to school and saying, okay, this is what, uh, what, what maybe we should have learned about the political process? Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> much like a lot of, of things, um, when you go to school, uh, not all of it's very applicable. Right. Um, but yeah, I love, I got a political science degree from Miami university uh, cardinal sin for a Kentucky politician to go out of out of state 
to college, but it was a great program. It's a great university. It's a great town. Um, and came home and, um, actually the urging of, of my mother who was on Villa Hill city council. Okay. Um, uh, she knew that there was one person not running and the day of the filing deadline, no, no one else was running other than the, the incumbent. So I went down last minute and filed and, and there were six of us for six seats. And that's, that's a dirty little secret of how I first got elected hey, was they didn't have any other choice. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the, the campaign financing on that one was, uh, was a, was a deep, deep, yes. deep dig in the pocket, right? Yes. And I, and I came in dead last and served one three-year term, strangely enough on uh, city council with my mother. And then the next time 11 people ran and I came in eighth. Okay. So, um, I couldn't even get re- reelected as Villa Hills city council. Um, but I was elected to 22, um, to city council, which, uh, is, uh, one of the reasons why, um, gosh, I guess it's been seven, eight, nine years ago that I, I filed a bill to allow 18 year olds to run for city council right? and 21 year olds to run for mayor. And even though I was in the minority, uh, it passed the very first year I filed it. There you go. And, um, then the more next access year, to the system, right? Well, sure. I mean, you know. If you're old enough to run off for war, you should be old enough to run for an office. Right. The next year I filed a bill to allow 18 year olds to run for the legislature and nobody wanted anything to do with that. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so I only filed that one year. Who knows? Maybe I'll bring it back just for fun. Yeah. Uh, but look, I mean, it's crazy. You have to be 24 to be a, a state rep and a 30 to be a state senator. You can be a congressman for five years. Right before you're allowed to be a state senator in this state. And it doesn't make any sense at all. That that state versus federal rules just I mean they just don't match up. You can you can run for Congress and, and barely be from Kentucky, but you have to have, you know, what, six years, six years of residency uh, to, to to run for office here. It's to, uh, well to run for the state senate, yeah, yeah and be thirty. So it, it's it it doesn't make much sense. But that's uh that's how I got to that bill and then I um yeah, ran for a county commissioner. Sorry, we got to fly around here. Um, some bourbon, cooling Well, off. sure. Yeah, uh, ran for county commissioner, and and nobody gave me a shot, and managed to win at twenty seven Kent County, which is mm-hmm. third largest county in the state. And um, myself and Jim Henderson, who's now um, executive director of uh, Kentucky Association of Counties, we were both elected that year, and we were the two youngest. Um, County officials, or at least fiscal court members, I should say, in the state um, at those conferences. And, uh, you know, now he's here in Frankfurt, um, you know, representing the uh, the counties. And uh, but, yeah, we we got to know each other way back when. Wow. Wow. Do you have any advice for those 18 to 20 year olds who uh, are thinking about getting into politics? Hey, if if you you should have a passion and you should have a passion for making policy and helping people, not just to to run, to do it. Um, and, uh, if you, uh, but yeah, if you're willing to serve and you're willing to, to deal with all that goes along with, uh, it, especially in the age of social media, which, you know, I didn't have cause I'm a thousand years old, but, um, but it's a nasty business and it's become, as you indicate, even nastier, right? I mean, it's just, I think it's equally nasty as it used to be. You're just aware of it now because any idiot can get on social media and shoot their mouth off. Right. Uh, It used to be you had to call into a talk show on the radio 
uh, to to express uh, your your opinion to a wide group of people. Now, uh, you know, you can do it on several platforms. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the long and short of it is when 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 people attack you, um, it reflects infinitely more on them than it does you. Uh, they're projecting whatever it is and they're trying to get attention from people. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it it never bothers me, but it rarely bothers me because, you know, you just have to have a thick skin if, if you're going to be in this business. And if, if you're not willing to just let that stuff roll off, uh, uh, your back, Mm -hmm. then this is not the business for you. At least being elected official, there's plenty of jobs in government that are, um, needed we need good people uh that you don't get the slings and arrows but sure i mean our our legislative research commission place wouldn't function without all those good employees who are able to draft the bills for us and do the research and you know uh uh, take the phone calls from angry constituents mm-hmm. and and run interference for us and and all that sort of stuff um sure. plenty of ways to serve. The state absolutely there are plenty there are plenty of ways to serve and you know, I, I was fortunate to get in uh, at a young age and, um, but, you know, making it a career is very difficult. I'm, I'm not that it's my only job, but, you know, um, you know, I'm a realtor on the side. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. That's right. Part-time legislature. Part-time. The part of the time we're not asleep. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, you know, build up a career in, in the private sector, I would argue, before you do what I did. <laughs> Sometimes it works. Most time it doesn't. I'm just very fortunate. Well, well, it's good to have you here. And, you know, you've made quite a contribution to this state. And, you know, we're talking about some of the things, uh, more recent things as it relates to the alcohol industry. Um, you know, we're, we're really catching up from a, from a state with it still has some wet counties that wet versus dry the mm-hmm. vestiges of prohibition still exist uh, in Kentucky to to catch up and to start dealing with our signature industry and protecting it in, in such a way that that we see that it you know survives mm-hmm. and that it thrives here in the commonwealth and uh, the last session and the last few sessions you've you've passed multiple bourbon bills um, and now we have the ability to order bourbon uh, and I guess all spirits and, and mm-hmm. alcohol online. What have, what's been the reaction to you from passing that bill? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I come from Northern Kentucky. It's a, it's a different part of the state. Um, we probably have more in, in, in common with Louisville, which a lot of people would say, how's that? Northern Kentucky's Republican and Louisville's mm-hmm. a Democrat bastion. But, um, you know, up my way when I was talking to people, hey, I'm working on this bill to allow for direct shipment of alcohol. Everyone, and when I say everyone, I mean everyone said, oh, you mean I can stop shipping wine to my <laughs> office in Cincinnati or to my parents over in Indiana? Right. I'm like, yeah, uh, you can have it directly shipped to your house and you can pay your taxes to Kentucky rather than Ohio and Indiana. Uh, and, um, and I want to, Give credit. Uh, I think this started in 2019 uh, when Senator Max Wise had a wine only shipping bill, Mm -hmm. which is basically standard in most states. Uh, There was 42, 43 states that allowed shipment of wine. 
and most of them just whine. And, you know, they pass it out of the Senate and we send it to the House and, and you know, myself, Speaker Osborne, um, uh, Representative and, and Majority Whip Chad McCoy, we all kind of felt like, hey, that's great, but we can't leave bourbon out, for God's sake. Right. That, that makes a lot, you know, wine only makes a lot of sense in a lot of other states, but not here in Kentucky. So we tried to figure out how to put that together in a bill, and it was it was a short session, and there was just no way to get it done. So, um, and it's a complicated issue, you know, when you look at it from a three tier oh system. I mean, our, and not that it's you know you understand why we have a three tier system, mm-hmm. but but to to operate in that confine and to start playing with how we do things within that overall system and how you're ensuring to protect the manufacturer and the distributor and the independent uh, seller mm-hmm. uh, of all of spirits and, and alcohol in general, it, it's, it's difficult to start playing in that structure. It's difficult from a legal perspective. It's difficult from a political perspective. In case there's someone watching who, who doesn't know there, the three tier system came after prohibition where you're either a retailer you're a manufacturer or the middle tier, which are uh, distributors or wholesalers. And um, you can be in one tier, but you can't be in more than one. Right. And I'm sure it was useful 100 years ago when prohibition came to an end, but it was 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think we've accepted the fact that alcohol is not going anywhere. And we can start maybe uh, doing that differently, but... The statutes still to this day, much less so than they were five years ago, but uh, it provides a legal monopoly to these retailers and these distributors and wholesalers, and um, they're guaranteed business. Mm-hmm. And to in the case of retailers, they're also guaranteed limited competition. And um, you know, if if I had a government imposed monopoly, I'd fight to keep it too. But, um, you know, fighting that was the most difficult part. Uh, thank God I have, uh, I shouldn't say I have, we have on the uh, Republican uh, House staff, uh, Christy Trout Van Tatenhove, who was uh, commissioner of ABC uh, for the first couple of years of the Bevan administration. And um, she came over to work for us and she did the all the legal work. Um, and some of the political work, she's very, very skilled and, um, put it all together I'm, for that 2020 directship bill. Mm-hmm. I bet you, if I went through my emails, you could find 50 different, um, versions of that legislation. Yeah. yeah drafts. We like <clears throat> to call them. Yeah. They're drafts. Uh, and it, it just, it, it was, it was difficult. And then you got to sell it to the. Other members, some of whom are absolute yeses, some of whom are absolute noes, and uh, the ones in the middle, because it's it's just easier for a lot of people to be against an alcohol bill, sure, in 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 Kentucky, and you know to, and then you got people who don't want to be for them, but they've got distilleries in their district, which are big employers, right? That have good jobs, uh, good paying jobs. So um, it, it was it was a very very heavy lift. Not as heavy as as workers' comp in 2018, but a close second. Um, <laughs> and um, so, those are your number one and number two bills for uh, for heavy lifts. For heavy lifts, yes, absolutely. Um, and 
Yeah. And, you know, you talk, we talked earlier about, um, social media and, and how nasty things are. I mean, I've, I've saved the calls I've gotten from, I got from all across the state on my workers comp bill, specifically with regards to black lung when a report came out on vice news mm-hmm. about how I was basically killing people. How uh, dare you? I know. And, um, I mean, just awful, awful stuff. And that's fine. I mean, they came from all over the country, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the state FOP, I was leaving cops to die on the side of the road and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that, that makes it more difficult and makes that one kind of a heavier lift when you're having to fight through that while you're, right. while the bill's uh, trying to come through. And this was not, you know, this was not life or death in that situation, but it was very complicated. And then this year we did some cleanup work Mm -hmm. and, uh, next year we'll probably tackle the tax system. Okay. Because we are one of two States to have both an excise and wholesale tax. And, um, when it's hard to get the proper tax when you're trying to buy things online from another state, right. It doesn't have both those taxes. So, um, we're going to try to figure out how to, uh, make us fit with 48 other States instead of just mm-hmm. one, which I believe is South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, so that then hopefully this issue will be mostly put to bed. And, you know, at that point then it's a, it's something really for those online, I suppose, retailers or wherever you're purchasing this alcohol from and, and other States, uh, to, to let them know that we're able to accept these shipments. Now I know some places still have not updated uh, mm-hmm. where you're 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 purchasing these these uh this alcohol from sure. um so uh, i've i've heard of stories of friends of mine that say well then they've sent the bill like here's the bill here's the past legislation yep. here's the law here's you know krs it mm-hmm. says that you can sell this to me you know you know make your system work with with yes. our state so it's uh you know whenever these big sea changes happen it's not uh, just overnight Right. fix. So I'm not, not surprised oh, no. at all to hear that you're, you're still coming back and, and taking more bites at this apple. Well, and there's, and there's two things. One, I think there's nine or 10 other States in DC that you can ship spirits. Right. So that's, that's, uh, the KDA is doing a lot of work trying to get other States. And the last check, there was 15 States that had bills to allow shipment of spirits. And, um, a lot of them are using my bill as as, as a uh, as a uh, model, which is kind of just wild to think about. Yeah, but um, it's also pretty cool. And so that's one. Number two, mm-hmm. you said talking to wholesalers in other states can't you we have can't, to buy right, from a, buy a from the producer? Okay. Now, most version public versions of my bill allowed the retailers and the wholesalers. Uh, to ship because mm-hmm. I thought it would be a, 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 a new revenue stream for them, a new business opportunity. And B, um, one thing myself and Senator Schickel, who is my, who's the Senate licensing occupations committee chairman have done is to try to provide equality across tiers. So if you can do it in one tier, you should be able to do it in others. And that was what we wanted to do. Same with, you know, Within a tier, we wanted beer, wine, spirits all to be treated the same. And if mm-hmm. you can do something, if one one of those producers can do it, all the producers should be able to do it. 
Makes uh, sense. But they wanted out. <clears throat> okay. And um, and I fought them repeatedly, and you know, in the end, to get it passed, I had to take them out. And now they're starting to see the error of the ways. Oops. Oops. Well, we'll see. Uh, do you anticipate then that this is uh, is something that'll be revisited uh, quite often? These, you know, we see these quick fix bills pop up uh, as needed. I yeah. mean, I, I don't, I don't think so. After because we've had now, I mean, three bills. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did the. It, it started December fourteenth. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know. I, I bought the first bottle legally online. And um, so we've got several months and I've really, what we heard were issues we tried to clean up and um, I haven't heard any other issues with what's going on since then. Now, yeah. is that bound to happen? Probably. But, um, you know, I, we'll fix it as they come up, but I don't see a lot of need going forward after we get the tax situation fixed. Yeah. Yeah. So the tax situation will come through your committee. Um, Well, it might come through A&R, actually. Okay. Okay. Some leadership. Do you anticipate that happening then this, uh, this summer that, uh, that we start to see those, those tweaks come out in in interim committees or do you anticipate this as a, as a bill for next session? Um, It'll be ready when it's ready. If it's ready in the interim, and they want a and wants to hear it in the interim, or if I want to hear it in the interim, we'll do that. If not, it'll be a bill, and we'll we'll do it then. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, we we'd rather get it ready, but you know, there's a lot there's a lot to juggle right now. And sure, um, you know, I'm on the one of the co chairs of the paramutual um, task force, mm-hmm. so that's a that's a lot going on and it's taken up a lot of my time in addition to being yeah. chair of, of, of licensing and occupations and, and doing all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, well, no. I'll leave it up to, to Christy. There you go. Van Tatenhoe to uh, work <laughs> on that tax piece. But I want to come back to the paramutual wagering, uh, before we get there, I want to talk about, uh, another piece of legislation that passed. Um, and this was sort of a COVID era regulation that uh, was set permanent in this past session and allowing consumers to take out alcohol from restaurants. Drinks to go. Yeah, drinks to go. What a great idea. It is a great idea. And and you have credit where credit is due. The, um, you know, the governor did that by executive order over the pandemic to help restaurants. Um now, you know, I think it went too far with with shutting down the restaurants. Um, but, you know, to his credit, uh, he did that. And uh, and that was done in a bunch of other states. Mm-hmm. And Senator Schickle had the bill this year to make it permanent. Uh, and I uh, was happy to carry it over on the House side. And, yeah, it's it's uh, and it, very specific rules has to be tamper resistant. <laughs> I right. think maybe you have to have it like your glove compartment or your trunk or something like that. <laughs> can't, you can't be driving home with it in can't between be your legs. And, and don't and put it in your console <laughs> right next to you. Um, but really, I mean, you can buy a a drink mix in a bottle pre-made at a liquor sure. store. You can buy a 
can of beer or a bottle of wine with a screw top and you can Mm -hmm. if you want to drink it while you're driving illegal don't do it ever but if you want to you can so what's the difference right you're help we're helping the restaurants um and so i think it was a good thing and uh i'm just sorry we didn't come up with it earlier well and it's it's one of these things that we really did see restaurants struggle and this is a you know, we were getting into that political bailiwick of uh, protecting folks versus taking infringing on freedoms and, and when is far too far mm-hmm. uh, and these things. But what we do know is that our restaurant industry and specifically our uh, bar industry was hurt pretty bad by COVID. It was yep. hurt by and by some of those early regulations, limiting capacity, shutting down bars and then being slow to, to allow them to reopen. So this is one of those ways where. You know, if you want to support the, uh, the industry workers, mm-hmm. the service workers, you can purchase your alcohol just like you can from a liquor store, from a from a restaurant, take it home. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I yeah, like it kept some bars and restaurants afloat. Right. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, I'm, we went over my my political history and, um, you know, the main reason I, I've, I've run for office is to get government out of the things that cause business harm. Um, we, you know, politicians, when everyone's employed, everybody's happy and politicians get reelected. And I don't understand why more politicians don't focus on <laughs> getting government out of the way to help businesses create jobs. Um, and, you know, that this is just one of many things that gets government out of the way. And let's, let's talk about this position that you hold. Talk about a guy that holds the keys to the kingdom here of of business regulation in the state. I mean, single handedly, like no kidding, you're you're the guy that that's poised to set the the business uh, framework here to whatever is standing in the way, whether it's a bourbon issue or it's a wagering issue or anything right. in between. Well, it depends on the businesses. I appreciate sure, you saying sure. that, um, but uh, you know, licensing occupations is basically. Anyone who needs a license to do a job, which is about a quarter of the of the jobs in Kentucky, and I have one of those jobs as a realtor, mm-hmm. um, you have to get a license. I have to get continuing education. I have to pay a yearly, or actually now it's every two years. Uh, it was a change in the last administration, but yeah, I have to pay a fee to maintain my license uh, and report to a board. And um yeah, that most of that stuff comes through. Some of the medical licensure mm-hmm. stuff goes through um, uh, health family services. But yeah, you know, and we have, uh, and I look, I was on licensing occupations when I was the minority, and I was partially guilty for this and, and voting for some of these bills that add additional requirements to get a license, make it more difficult to maintain your license. And those are barriers to getting jobs and and being able to feed your family. Uh, we we have to balance. We have these licensure requirements um, because we're, you're trying to protect the public. Protecting the public is good, but at some point it it turns into uh, limiting the competition for any position. You know, I'll take my job of a real estate agent. Um, Biggest purchased and, you know, possibly the biggest source of income later in life for most people. 
and you want someone who's reputable to help you through that process Mm -hmm. when you're going to spend that much money and hopefully have a lot of equity in in something that will help you, um, you know, to retirement, whatever. So that's important to have someone who's qualified, knows what they're doing and, um, you know, has a, has a good background that you can trust. Um, so, but at some point, too much is too much. There's been efforts over the years to, from realtors, uh, who I know, uh, realtor board, the, the association, which I belong to, to try to increase continuing education requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have stopped those from happening, uh, because it's just one more impediment to people being able to, to, you know, have their license. And, um, the fact of the matter is I, cha- I challenged them. I said, if you can show me data that says that people who get more continuing education are not only better realtors, but protect people better. Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten it. So we're not getting more. And that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at in the past. Um, under, under previous chairman, it was, well, if the industry wants it, it must be good. Why are we going to argue with them? And I bought into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't buy that into that anymore. So um, we've we've uh, we've not added any responsibilities. We've cut back on some requirements. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I want people to be able to feed their family, make a living. Uh, and if you just look at what's going on nowadays, you know we don't have people who will fill jobs. And uh, you know. Let's stop putting up barriers to those jobs. Do you ever look at any other states and say, man, they, they got it right. You know, uh, Tennessee with no uh, income tax or, or Florida, for instance, or, or maybe Maine, the way that they allow business filings. Do you ever look at some of these other, or, or not Maine, but Delaware with the way that they do business, business mm-hmm. filings. Do you ever look at some of these other states and say, man, they, they just really got it right from a business perspective to incubate uh, business growth and, Look, and job I think, development. I think from the um, from the income tax perspective, absolutely. Tennessee, Florida, the rest of them that that don't charge income tax. Uh, I agree with that, and we are certainly moving in that direction. Uh, when you got to put yourself in the position of the people who make the decision as to where to cite a company, mm-hmm. and those people pay income taxes. <laughs> And they don't want to come to a state that's going to take 6% of their income when they can go to another state that's going to take 0% of their income. Um, And, you know, even more so, and I may get in trouble for saying this, but, um, you know, there are parts of this state that are still living on a cash economy where not a lot of people are paying income taxes or not as many as should pay, pay income taxes. So let's tax what they buy and generate the revenue that way rather than income taxes not being paid. Um, you know, people who are on um, public assistance, you know, you don't want to go after those people, but when they're not paying, there's all my bourbon bills and alcohol bills I dropped. Um, when they're not paying taxes um, on whatever income they're getting, you know, that's, that's a burden on the, uh, Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, we got to, we got to balance that out um, because there's also something to be said about not putting all your eggs in one basket when the economy's bad and, you know, not as many people are making income. But um, 
or buying things. And so, you know, diversity is, is a good idea then, but I certainly go that way. Now, you know, furthermore to that point, when it comes to licensing occupations, there are states that are getting rid of all requirements. Well, that's way too far. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want a realtor that's never done anything. You don't want an electrician that just put hangs out a shingle and says, I'm an electrician. Sure, you wouldn't want a doctor operating on you that's uh, right. not been through medical school. Now, there, you're right. there, are, there are states that have gotten rid of all requirements except for medical. Right, right. But I don't want an electrician showing up without knowing what they're doing, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, certainly not one that doesn't have, you know, we're required to, to have errors and emissions insurance mm-hmm. to protect the public. So um, that's going too far, in my opinion. Um, you got to strike the balance. And typically, I think it's fair to say I view government as going too far, but there's also a role for government in our lives. And, you know, there's a lot of people nowadays who think that, you know, they want chaos and government shouldn't tell them what to do ever. And uh, that's, that's a little much. And I don't, you know, obviously I live in northern Kentucky and we're a pretty Republican area, but people also understand the role of government, generally speaking, and I don't think that's a whole lot different in any part of this state. Right. And we're, I want to pivot real quick and then come back to these these issues. But Northern Kentucky is an interesting area. I mean, you've got a real sort of a libertarian streak through, uh, through that fourth congressional district that Thomas Massey represents. Um, but one thing that's always kind of flummoxed to me about the area, and you may not have an answer for it, but that um, there's low turnout in primary elections. Mm-hmm. Why is it that Northern Kentuckians and Block just don't show up unless it's a general election? Two reasons. One, we have Cincinnati News. Yeah. And they pay more attention to us than they used to. Mm-hmm. But still, it's not a thing. And when you're, especially in statewide races and primaries, you can't afford, right? Why would you spend money on Cincinnati when you could spend on Lexington and Louisville? Uh, so people don't know that it's going on. Um, so that's reason number one. Reason number two, especially when you're talking about primary turnout, the three counties in the state that have the highest uh, percentage of registered voters who are independents are Boone, Kenton, and Campbell. And that goes a little bit to the libertarian streak, but right. I, I think it's more of an independent streak okay. than a libertarian streak. And they can't vote in primaries. Yeah. So should we open it up to uh, to the way that maybe in Indiana does uh, voting? You show up on primary day and say, I'll, I will collect the Republican ballot or I'll collect the Democratic ballot this time? I'm not a fan. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying I can't be convinced otherwise, but I'm not a fan. Um, you want to nominate a Republican that's for Republicans to do not what you decide you are that morning. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's for that very reason that, that this is a nominating process for a party and not a, an out and out election for representation. Right. One thing I think we can do to improve our elections. And I had this bill once or twice and and I'm going to bring it back one day uh, is ranked choice voting. Okay. Um, where you go in and say, this is my first choice, this is my second choice, this is my third choice, and you rank them all. Um, and when you have a multi-way race, whether it's a judicial race, mm-hmm. a mayor's race, um, or a primary, 
you can choose one, two, three, we'll say you got three people and it's harder to go negative because you might get more ones, but you're also going to get more threes. Right. So not that going negative is inherently bad, but um, I think you can do it in a more respectful way. And, uh, you know, voting now also benefits the polarizing person, mm-hmm. especially in a primary. Mm-hmm. Um, those people are going to get a lot of ones and they're going to get a lot of threes. So if you're reasonable uh, and not someone who just says obnoxious things to get a lot of followers on social media and get a lot of attention, then um, you're, you know, I think you have a better, better chance. Right. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd rather talk about that than uh, allowing independents to vote. But, you know, uh, like I said, I can be convinced otherwise. Well, I'll save that for somebody else to convince you. I don't know. I mean, you make a strong point there. Uh, but I've, you know, I've lived in other states where that was just just the way it was done. And those same states also have, you know, early voting going out a, a month out. And right. I know from a political perspective, uh, there's, you know, pros and cons to something like that where you, where you start like as a, as a candidate of where and when you spend your money uh, versus as, uh, you know, the electorate of, you know, access to the voting booths. So, mm-hmm. you know, these, these things can cut both ways. Uh, I, I do don't want to miss an opportunity with you to, to talk about this paramutual uh, wagering. Uh, you're co-chairing this, this committee. Well, what's the work look like uh, in the coming months and, and year uh, on, on this committee, this well, task force, I suppose? Well, yeah, task force. When we passed the bill, there was a lot of consternation, um, from some Republicans and many Democrats about the tax rate. Uh, it's one and a half percent now, I think. Yes, but that is on the gross. Okay. People don't understand that. And that is, is something and legislators don't understand it. Um, you know, that is on the gross bet, not on their take. Okay. And it's being compared to, other states where every other state, I think, especially if you have just regular slot machines, not historical horse racing machines, you know, they're taxed on what they take. So they make, you know, $1,000. It's a percentage of that $1,000. Here, if you wager a million dollars, it's one and a half percent of the million, the million dollars. Right. And whether or not they have to pay out. Right. right. So, you know, yeah, they're paying out. And that's basically part of, of, you know, what comes out. So it's, so we're going to talk about that. We have to build some understanding of a, where all the money goes, because all that money doesn't go to the general fund. And people look at the general fund and say, well, we're only getting X. That's because it's going to a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's, it's good. I mean, one of them is the, the equine center at university of Louisville. Mm-hmm. That is uh, educating the next group of people that are going to work in the industry, and um, you know, our friends on the Democrat side say education is important. Well, that's where some of that money is going. A lot of it's going to uh, the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund, Standard Bread Development Fund, which encourages uh, people to breed their horses in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and if they're Kentucky breds, they get to run, run for more money. Sure, but as a recipient state, there's also an argument here to be made that these are or a percentage of these ought to be 
general fund dollars now allocated towards sure. uh, pensions or, you know, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the, the, uh, and, and you also have to understand there's, you know, the historical horse racing machine wagers, right? There's the live betting wagers when you go to the track, there's uh simulcast when you go to the track and bet on other tracks. Right. And then there's the ADW, which is Twin Spires, First Bet, TBG, all those apps on the phone. Um, and they're all taxed differently. And even with some of them, they're taxed at different rates, even the ones that are in, in that area. So we're going to look at it holistically. We're going to, I think, see if we can bring a lot of them to the same level. You know, should there be a difference on a bet at Churchill that is made on track at a window or on track on an ADW. Cause I don't get up and go to a window anymore. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just bet it on my phone. Yeah. I don't make any mistakes on my phone. And if I do, it's my mistake. Right. Right. I've been known to leave a hundred dollar voucher in a machine. I don't like doing that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that on my phone. So, um, you know, is, should there be a difference between, standing at Turfway, betting in a window on Churchill races or being at Churchill betting on it or sitting in my house on my ADW betting on Churchill? Probably not. Right. But they're all taxed completely differently. So that's, so we're going to look at those things. It started with the HHR rate and that is something we're also going to look at. Mm -hmm. But everyone has a different idea of what, the act what the effective rate is so we just we even need to start with can we get some agreement on what the effective rate is today so um and then i'm going to talk about um some other issues um you know we've we've done a lot for the tracks we've done a lot for the industry the breeders and everything um i think we can look at doing some things for the betters because without betters, none of this stuff happens. Right. Right. And so um, I'm going to talk a lot about what can we do for, for the betters to make it more lucrative to wager on Kentucky races, not just for Kentuckians, but for others. Yeah. So as you look at these things, um, I've covered a number of task forces over the years. What, what happens at the end? Is this a piece of legislation? Is this a report that goes to the legislature? What What's the, the net effect? Or is this multiple bills at the end? Um, well, first of all, strangely enough, in my 15th year, this is the first task force I've been on. Okay. Um, and so I think I have an idea, which is there will definitely be a report. Right. And um, um, yeah, there'll be a bill. Um and I, I can speak for myself, and I believe I can speak for Representative Cook. We both stood up on the House floor during the HHR debate and said, um, we get that there's concern about the tax rate. Uh, the tracks all signed a letter saying, look, we're open to a higher rate that is reflective of the tax rate that exists in other states. Mm-hmm. Um and we're going to pass something uh, to that effect. 
and hopefully we can work out a deal with the Senate that they will agree to. Um, but um, I can assure you, we will hold up our end of the bargain. Um, and I would like to correct myself. I just remembered that there's a second task force I was on, which was the workers comp task force okay. of okay. 2016, yep. which is how I got stuck doing <laughs> the workers comp bill in 17 and 18. And uh, my life was much better when I didn't know anything about workers' compensation. But anyway, getting back to the... But do you the, think it's it's easier as you come out of that experience to put together one bill that's comprehensive versus sure. multiple bills? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's no sense in doing multiple bills. It's a, it's a, We got plenty of time to, for task force meetings. It's a long session. Um, I think we'll, we will be... We should be able to do something. It might end up having to be in pieces, but I'm sure we will start... We're trying to accomplish as much as we can in that one yeah. bill. And then for, for me, the better, right? Like as I show up at the window, as I you know, log in on my phone to, to, to make a bet, what happens for me? Do I pay more at that point in time via these taxes? Or this is all we're all talking about. These are what the industry pays back to the state. It's what the industry pays back to the state. Yeah. And the... and. I'm going to say for the second time, don't do what I do. Um, <laughs> you more money goes to the horseman and to the state. If you go to a window or one of the betting terminals, than if you do it on your phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, um, you know, I, if you want to help those folks out and it's not that I don't want to, um, but, when you have the app and it's just, like I said, it's, it's easier and I don't make any mistakes. Uh, and then I have to go get cash. Right. Right. And dry and haul around cash. Um, when I, when I do that. Um, but that's the point is, um, we should make them the same. Uh, the, those should be done the same. Um, and, uh, um, the, I know that I'm sure there was a reason and, and I know Senator Thayer and I think Representative Clark, Larry Clark, Speaker mm-hmm. Pro Tem Clark, uh, put those rates together. Some, I'm, uh, I'm going to say 2010. That's probably not right, but something like that. Um, and there was a reason for them at the time. Part of the reason was the advanced deposit wagering was a fledgling industry. It's not fledgling anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should make them the same, whether it gets raised to... The ADW tax gets raised to um, mm-hmm. the same as as an on track bet. Maybe you make them lower one and raise the other so that they're the same. Um, maybe you phase it in. Who knows? Um, but um, you know that's something that I think is is important. And certainly, um, you know, Senator Thayer and I get along quite well. We've known each other for 23 years back when I ran for county commissioner in 1998 and he was fourth district chairman and we were both under 30 <laughs> at the time. So yeah. we've had a, uh, we've had a good relationship ever since we've been good friends. And, um, if, uh, anybody can figure it out, we can figure it out yeah. and work together. And, and as you do that, I assume that you're calling folks maybe from other states that have done this and, and figuring that out or, uh, you know, Definitely having people testify before committee on on the the correct correct way to, to put these things in place. I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's a joint task force. I have a I have a fellow co chair, and uh, 
we both have to agree on on what's on what's discussed. So, well, you've not finished your bourbon, so I want to ask you another question. Keep going. All right, um, I'm going to ask you about sports sports wagering, mm-hmm. sports betting. Uh, we're seeing some changes from the NCAA level here of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this influence at all um, how Kentucky starts to look at uh, sports wagering? Oh, that Supreme Court ruling from this that was this week, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was. Wait, I think it was Monday. Um, that's not going to influence sports wagering. That's probably going to influence a bill that Representative Bowling has had um, that other states have passed. Uh, it's called NIL, Name, Image, and Likeness, mm-hmm. uh, allowing these uh, student athletes to um, make money off their name, image, and likeness. Right, right. And, um, you know, that's uh, that you'd ask me this five, ten years ago. I said, heck no, they're getting an education. You know, I had to pay for mine and it wasn't cheap. Um, but, you know, at this point, that cat's out of the bag. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm 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 good with it. I've in fact, when Representative Bowling files it, I'll probably be a co-sponsor. Uh, may come through my committee. I don't know, but um, that's 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 probably going to move. Okay, so so we're looking <clears throat> at opening up the door to to pay student athletes for yes. under those criteria. Yes, but then we still have this conundrum on the other side of whether or not we're going to allow Kentuckians to wager, to wager on those on on that's those right. events. Yeah. Um, and by the way, other states are, are allowing this. this is oh, good know. Lord. <laughs> um, yeah. And here's the kicker. Republican states. Right. Uh, West Virginia, border state run by Republicans. Tennessee, border state. Doesn't even have bingo, by the way. <laughs> and you can wager on sports there. Indiana, Republican state. Illinois, Democrat state. Doesn't matter. And this is um, something that's that's kind of between, I mean, and, you know, I've kind of made a specialty of, of gambling and drinking uh, <laughs> uh, policy wise, of course. You, you just need some sex bills uh, and some rock. And no, roll. no, 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 <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I'm not even that bold. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you talked about liberty and. Um, it just boggles my mind when we have members who, you know, you shouldn't have to get a vaccine because liberty mm-hmm. and you shouldn't have to wear a mask because liberty and you shouldn't have to close down your, your store because of liberty and you shouldn't, there should be no vaccine passports because of liberty. Oh, but you can't drink. And you can't gamble. Right. Where did the liberty go? Pick one. Pick one. Right. I pick pick a lane. I don't care which one it is. And and these, you know, these are my friends. Uh, these are my my coworkers. I'm not trying to knock them. I'm trying to say, hey, let's rethink this. Uh, because if you're for liberty, you're for things that you don't even like. You know, I don't get NASCAR. I don't understand it. I don't get why people watch it. I'm not going to outlaw it. Right. Um, You know, and if you don't drink yourself, okay, that's fine. You don't gamble. Okay, fine. 
Um, I really don't do much gambling other than, you know, um, you know, horses. Uh, I, when sports gaming is legalized, by God, I want to make the first legal bet in this state. And if I make three other legal bets a year, that'd be a lot. Well, there you go. And that's, um, that's revenue coming into the state that wasn't coming in before. It, it's revenue with, with no additional taxes. All these alcohol changes, lots of revenue with no additional taxes. Um, I mean, that's what I'm, these, these, these things excite me. We're generating business. We're creating jobs. Um, no additional taxes. The historical horse racing bill, which just for the record was Senator Schickel's bill. Mm -hmm. I was glad to carry it over on the house side and we couldn't have done it without representative Matt Cook and speaker Osborne in particular. Um, uh, I just got to be the pretty face who carried it on the floor, but, um, you know, more revenue without raising taxes, uh, sports betting 20 to $25 million. If anybody thinks that it's not going on right now, you're, you're crazy. Right. Um, the offshore accounts, uh, bookies. And now you got a buddy in, in Indiana. Hey, I'm going to Venmo you 10 bucks put down 10 for the Bengals to cover. Exactly. Do we, and we, do we want to, you know, you know, uh, penalize the guy at the VFW hall from, for making a bet on the, on the football game, uh, you know, or do we want to provide an area for him to, to make sure that, that we're covering our responsibilities here. And we, we move out of that era of not having enough money in our coffers to pay for the things that we need. I mean, exactly. every, every budgeting cycle, as you well know, it, it's pain in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it used to be, um, when I first got here, you know, uh, we didn't have any money. I showed up in a recession and we haven't had money ever since. And the pensions keep draining every it, it and every dollar we can generate, um, from a source that wasn't there before is a dollar. We don't have to raise people's taxes and, you know, we got to pay those bills with the pensions, especially. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't like raising taxes, you ought to be for these things. Um, but too often, it's people who won't raise any taxes, won't support these different measures to raise revenue um, and give people more liberty. So if I asked you now to make a wager on 2022, since we're, we're, we're talking about betting, what uh, what odds would you take on on getting a sports wagering bill through the uh, through the house? I uh, honest to God, I really thought in in twenty twenty it was going to pass. Seemed like it, right? I really, really did because it just makes too much sense. Um, and uh, we put on a full court press this year. You know, I filed it, um, but it never really had a chance because we had to put all our focus on historical horse racing. Right. Uh, it was the priority and I understood that. Um, next year, um, hopefully, as I like to say, we had a lot of people, members who broke their maidens on a gambling boat and they realized that the world didn't come to an end, mm -hmm. uh, that um, their church didn't kick them out that their dog still loved them when they came home. <laughs> it's like voting Republican. Parents in didn't disown them. And, um, you know, 
others who would have liked to have voted for it and saw that nothing bad happened to anybody else. They kept their seats. Yeah. And so, uh, and kind of the, the veil of, um, my friends at the family foundation, um, you know, was punctured a little bit that, uh, um, you know, you can not vote their way all the time and the world won't come to an end. So hopefully that improves the prospects. I'm not going to put any odds on it or (laughs) wager on it. Um, because I've, I've learned the hard way that these things are difficult and look, historical horse racing was easier to pass because it a already existed and B you could point to the jobs that would be lost. Right. Um, this is not as easy to point to the jobs that would be created. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's going to be harder from that perspective. But like I said, we've had the the vote on gaming, and hopefully that will make it easier for some um, to vote yes. All right. Well, there's a lot going on in Kentucky. As always, it's an interesting place, both from the policy side and the, the politics side, both. And I really appreciate you sitting down and going through all this with me. Uh, Chairman Koenig, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It was my honor. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Bourbon and Birds by Kentucky Fried Politics. Make sure you're following all the Frankfurt gossip on KentuckyFried.com.